Welcome to the Weight Loss for Women podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can eat more, train less, and lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength, as well as Saturay, home to all your pro-metabolic supplements and skincare. And I'm your host of this episode, and I'm joined by, or he would say better half, Craig McDonald. Hi, Craig. Welcome back. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say better half too, yes. <laughs> hijacking, uh, hijacking the podcast now every week uh, with me. No, it's really good. It's really good to get you on and, you know, talk about all things coaching, I think. Yeah. All the nuances that you love. Yeah. Yeah. The nitty gritty. He yeah. loves it. He just loves it, don't you? I do. I do. It's good that you love it because that's what you do. Yep. In our program. That's right. <laughs> So uh, before we before we dive into it, um, we just want to let you know that we have released our oyster supplement, saturated oyster supplement. If you missed that, people have been messaging me for weeks and weeks asking when are we releasing it. So we released it last week. I think it was on the 20th. So you can go and um, purchase that now. So for all the people who just can't stand those slimy little suckers, well, <laughs> I mean, like really, you really love oysters, don't you? But really like. Yeah, I do. Surprisingly, because really- there's, there's, there are a few things that I really don't like, but yeah, mm. that, that's not one of them. I really enjoy. You love them. Well, there's a lot of people I think this don't like them or they can't get good fresh oysters. So we're really. I can certainly see why people wouldn't. Don't like them. Yeah. yeah. They are an, uh, a unique food choice. <laughs> I feel like I like them better when we like, you know, put the nice red wine vinaigrette and the red onion or we like make them into, um, what's, it, what's the one that I like? The oysters kill Patrick. I like them too. But anyway, mm. so if you can't get them or you don't like to eat them, we've got the amazing pure oyster, mm. freeze-dried oyster powder, which means it retains more of the nutrients sourced from Tasmania. Nothing else but freeze-dried oysters. Emma is anal about the quality of everything, which is so mm. awesome. So we're really excited to to launch to launch that. So today I wanted to uh, get Craig on to talk about how to actually grow muscle as a female so we're going to cover off this is actually going to be broken into two parts so that just sort of makes it a bit more digestible um but some of the questions that i wanted to ask him or the things that i wanted him to cover is you know why would we actually want to grow muscle so from a health you know what are the health benefits of growing muscle and then why is it important when it comes to i guess weight loss or fat loss and body composition change and why it would be beneficial because i think when women think about losing body fat or losing weight, they always just think about cardio. Um, two, I guess, really important, I guess you'd call it aspects to building muscle, which is progressive overload and training effort or intensity. So we'll get him to talk about those. Um, you know, do you need to eat in a calorie surplus and are carbs important when it comes to growing muscle? Talking a bit about sleep um, and optimizing your sleep because that's really important. Hormonal health and actually, you know, should you be, you know, I guess training harder at certain times of your cycle and then pulling back your training at other times in your cycle? So, you know, what does the literature say? And then, you know, what's Craig's experience been actually working with literally thousands and thousands of women? Um, exercise selection and execution uh, phases. So when I say phases, you know, and you'll get a bit more of an understanding of this when we when Craig talks about it, but when women come into our program, as an example, they might do a fat loss phase or a muscle building phase or a metabol- metabolic optimization phase. So, you know, what are these phases? Why are they important? When would you actually use them? And then how long does it take? How long does it take to actually um, uh, build muscle? So before this, there's lots of things to cover. We won't go too deep because we, you know, only want to spread this over two podcasts. Um, and before we before we jump in, I just want to quickly talk again about our awesome seven day eat more train less get results challenge. So we launched that. Oh God, how many weeks ago now? It'll be two or three weeks ago. And we've had loads of women join already getting great feedback. It's so awesome getting on the coaching calls and chatting to women. So, you know, if you're a woman who, you know, thinks that she needs to eat 1200 calories, 1500 calories, train six, seven days a week, you know, flog yourself with cardio, you know, cut sugar, cut carbs. Um, You know, if you're a woman who thinks that you need, to do those things to get results. And this challenge is, is perfect for you. You know, we have basically packaged up all of Craig's methodology and giving everything that you need to know to lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way, you know, where you sleep well, you've got balanced hormones, good energy, 
you know, good skin quality, good, good hair, you know, no bloating, no constipation. Um, and, you know, you can get amazing results just training three to four days per week and doing and walking. We're going to teach you about pro-metabolic foods, about macros, about tracking so that you can, yeah, I guess, take control back and achieve sustainable results. And we're so confident in our methodology that if you don't believe that you can get results, following our methodology will give you a refund. So there is absolutely no risk. So I'll pop the link in the show notes. Um, We'd love to have you in the challenge. Craig and I actually do live coaching calls every week. So you get lifetime access to the course and you get access to the live coaching calls for a month when you join and all for a one-off payment of 27 Australian dollars. That's Australian dollars. So if you're in the US or the UK, it will be different and it will be you know, if you pay, some people always, they always ask me that question. What's it? I think you just have to obviously Google it in a bloody, you know, calculator, conversion calculator. But anyway, let's get into it. So Craig, number one, why would you want to grow muscle? So what are some of the, like, apart from like wanting to look better yeah. and look more toned and have, you know, the nice round, as, as you always say, which I think is so funny when you say the peach bum and the- that's I just think it's so funny. I don't know why. Uh, and the and the and the round shoulders. Yep. Apart from the peach bum and the round shoulders, you know what's coconut some health- shoulders, peach coconut bum and coconut shoulders. shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. What what are what are some health benefits? Yeah. So definitely, I think you know, just looking good is obviously you know a, a something that can affect um, obviously your your psychological, your confidence, all those sort of things. Um, but certainly from a health perspective, I think. You know, I, I, Mark Bell, who's a, a, a quite a well-known powerlifter, uh, he runs super training over in the US. He, he uses this quote that uh, strength is never a weakness. And I really, really like it because he he's obviously coming from a powerlifting background, but he's you know, really focusing on all aspects of his life. And I think when we're, we're talking about health benefits, I think we look at, you know, certainly as we age, um, you know, bone density becomes a, a huge issue, you know, and that's almost a direct correlation. People's bone density goes down as their lean body mass goes down. Um, so if you keep the muscle, you know, as, as we age, you know, those things are, are better. Plus we, you know, we want to be stable. We want to be strong and still capable because from a psychological perspective, you know, as we age, if we're still able to do a lot of things, you know, we just have a better quality of life. So you've kind of got two aspects there from a physiological and a psychological point. Um, and then also, you know, the theme of what we do, we talk a lot about, you know, uh, metabolism or being pro-metabolic, so to speak. And I think that just encompasses, um, you know, being pro-metabolic or living a pro-metabolic lifestyle requires you having more lean mass. And, and I say that because if you're trying to do a lot of things to optimize, you know, your metabolism, quote unquote, I think it's really, really important to understand that the bit, one of the very best ways to affect that is again, having more lean muscle mass, um, you know, muscle mass is calorically expensive tissue. Um, but directly, you know, like our basal metabolic rate, which can takes up to 70% of our total daily energy expenditure, you know, that BMR can be, um, increased further just simply by, again, having more lean muscle mass. So, I think when we, we talk about it from, you know, a metabolic standpoint, from a psychological standpoint, from that physiological standpoint, like there, there, there is, there is no weakness. There is no negative. There is no downside to having more lean body mass. Um, and I'm not saying that anyone needs to, you know, try and, you know, train or put on muscle like they're, they're, they're trying to compete in Miss Olympia or something like that. Like you absolutely don't, need to do it like that but certainly you know as we advocate and what our program specializes in is you know training three to four days a week you know and uh you know relative to your ability to um you know train and and the time you have available to train in the gym you know at the end of the day uh, you can do really effective workouts that are going to create that stimulus in you know uh, up, up up to 45 minutes you know I, I used to say oh you can do it in 30 minutes i'm like yeah by the time you warm up and you get in the gym like that, it's probably, probably mm. just a little bit short i think 45 minutes is pretty well but i think most people allow an hour you know for the gym and you're, you're doing that three times a week you know where some of our best transformations that's all they've ever done 
And I think these women have lost like 30, like Sean, 28 kilos. Yep. You know, 10, 15 kilos, and they put muscle on. I mean, they've been new to lifting, obviously, too. Like they weren't experienced lifters. Yeah, no, 100%. And obviously, as, as you become more advanced, you know, your ability to put on muscle slows down. Like you've, you've got to be a little bit more specific and nuanced. And sometimes that might mean training a little bit more and all those sort of things. But, you know, I think that's uh, a problem that you deal with when you finally get there. <laughs> I think know. though, like, and you always say this to me, like, you're like, oh, you'd have to probably put in a bit more effort and train a bit more if you wanted to develop your physique more than it is now. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh, I'm just happy with how it is. Yeah. Just to maintain, it's easy, you know, like. Yeah. You know, know, like, I mean, you, you're going back a number of years, you know, I mean, you, you, I mean, you only ever trained four days a week. You didn't, I mean, you were training seven before we got together and you did all (laughs) the dumb shit. But, um, you know, after that you were training for, because you learned how to lift, you learned how to train really, really hard. And it just so worked out that four days was your limit in terms of your capacity with what we were doing with work and how you recovered and all that sort of thing. So, you know, I, I try not put too much of a label, like how many days should you train? It's sort of like, well, the better question is how many days can you train relative to your life and your schedule and from what you can recover, I think is a better one. So whatever that works out to be, if it's three or four, or in some people five, if they like to train a little bit more, that's fine. Generally, three or four is generally what we find for for our people listening to this um, is generally how it works out. And, you know, like I said, it, that, that then falls into the lifestyle banner. It's something that you can adhere to in the long term. Um, it allows, you know, rest days within the week. You can set it up that you have the weekends free if you wanted to do that. Um, and, and yeah, you're, you're easily going to, to, to create enough stimulus to grow that amount of muscle. So I, I think from that perspective, we've just seen, that seems to be a really good middle of the road where people can make a tremendous amount of progress and, and sustain get the, it. Get, get, yeah. Sustain yeah. it and get all the benefits from that. And, um, you know, I think also as a woman, like other benefits is it helps your confidence, you yeah. know, like you are just capable as well. You know, I remember when we were moving, lifting all the boxes thinking, Oh, I'm so glad that I'm strong. You know, <laughs> like it was just easy to lift the boxes and I didn't feel tired. And, you know, there's just, so many other good benefits apart from how you look, but now let's move on to how you look. So yeah. <laughs> why, why would you, why is muscle growing muscle important when it comes to fat loss or changing your body composition and, and sustainable weight loss, I guess. Yeah. So there's, there's probably, I, I think the best way to look at this is weight loss you know, when we're, when we're talking about weight loss, we're talking about everything. We're talking about some lean body mass. We're talking about fat mass loss. We're talking about, you know, a bit of glycogen water. Like if we're talking about weight loss, like weight is everything on your body, right? So when you jump on the scales and it says, you know, 80 kilos, for example, like it's not telling you anything other than it just that you are 80 kilos in total weight, right? It's not saying, oh, of that, 80 kilos, your X amount of muscle and X amount of fat and X amount of water and extra blah, 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 blah. It doesn't tell you, it's just tell you that. So when we talk about weight loss, in order for you to go from, say, 80 kilos down to 70 kilos, you, you just eat a bit less. At the end of the day, uh, enough people want to kind of argue this point, you know, and some of the nuances around that. But really, that's ultimately what it comes down to. If you want your weight to go down, you just need to eat a little bit less from which uh, your, your current calories is maintaining your current body weight. So if, you know, let's, let's just say, for example, it's 2,500 calories. It's just maintaining that 80 kilos of body weight. You just need to eat a little bit less than that 2,500 calories in order for your weight to go down, you know, and how far you want it to go down is going to be relative. So that's really the the main component of that. Now, obviously that's the the calories in or the, the, the energy intake, and then you, you look at your energy expenditure. So, you know, of that energy expenditure, you've got your four components. So your BMR goes anywhere from 55 up to 70% of that total daily energy expenditure. So again, having more muscle to influence that BMR into the top of the range kind of makes the most sense. Uh, then you've got like the thermic effect of food. So, you know, protein is going to give you a, a, a bigger bump in terms of a thermic effect as opposed to carbs and fats. They'll all have a certain amount, but obviously just hitting a protein target is going to be really, really good there. Um, and then you've got your, your NEAT, which is your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So me just talking here and I'm waving my hands around, like I'm, I'm 
technically burning calories because it requires energy for me to be moving and talking and blinking and doing all that sort of stuff. And generally we, we put steps within that as well, because steps, I don't like to count steps as a, um, something that, uh, is, uh, like a purpose, like it is a purposeful, but it's, it's, it doesn't require anything. It's just like you, you get out and you go for a walk, put your shoes on. Easy. You go for it's easy. It's easy. It doesn't require any skills. So, you know, I, I People are like, well, it's not really because you're purposely going, I'm going to go for this walk. I was like, yeah, but like, you don't fucking really do anything. So you go for a walk, right? And and obviously somebody who's, uh, you know, if you're comparing two people, person who sits at the desk and a person who works in a warehouse and on their feet all day, obviously the person who's walking around a lot more is just expending more energy, right? And then after that, you have um, your training. So you, we don't burn a lot from training. It's very, very minimal. You know, it might be a couple of hundred calories depending on the type of session you're doing when you lift weights. It's not much, but that's not why we're doing it. So the, the point that I'm trying to make here is that at the end of the day, if you want weight loss, you want your weight to go from this down to this, the two biggest things that are ideally going to affect that is your food intake, right? And your activity levels, right? Obviously within that food intake, if you're hitting a protein target and you're being a bit more specific, you're going to get a bump from that as well. But they're really the three main components. We go to the gym to build muscle, right? And I, and I look at it as a separate thing because it's not really contributing so much to weight loss because the actual act of going through a workout is very minimal. You know, like I said, it might be a couple of hundred calories, maybe a little bit more depending on the type of training, but like you're doing a couple of sets of squats and then a couple of sets of RDLs and then a couple of sets of leg presses. You know, you, you, if you added up all of the sets in terms of total minute, you know, like the set of squats might take you 20 seconds to do 10 to 12 reps, maybe 25. You know, if you add it all up, you, you're only doing maybe about eight minutes of total work. <laughs> like it's just not a lot. So we don't look at X as, as training to build muscle, anything other than building muscle. So if you want physique development, you need to lift weights and you need to get progressively stronger to get the, the peach bum and the coconut shoulders and the nice back and all that sort of stuff, right? Or if you just want to you know, lose weight, then you focus on your nutrition, you focus on your activity and the weight will come down. The issue is with that scenario, most people, when they do it, they cut the calories too much in order to start seeing that weight loss. And they don't have any metrics around how much percentage of body weight they should be losing per week. And when they do it too drastically, which is usually what most of the fad diets are made up of, then you end, you as a result, end up losing lean body mass. So that's where they start getting all the metabolic issues. They do it for too long. They, they, they lose too much weight too quickly. It's too stressful on their body. Um, they go through metabolic adaption. They're also losing lean mass because they're not training to build any muscle. And it's just kind of like this compounding stress, stress after stress after stress just equals more stress. And that's ultimately why people binge eat because, you know, stress hormones are high. Their sleep starts getting affected. Like, oh, this is too hard. They eat all the food. They put all the weight back on. They're in a worse position. And it's just a cycle over and over. So I always kind of say it in the way that if you want your, your weight loss, and let's be honest, the weight that you want to be lose, that you want to lose should be fat. That process will become more efficient, <clears throat> excuse me, if you can build muscle, or at least if you can retain the muscle you've got, but if you can continue to build muscle as the weight's coming down, that way we know the component of weight, uh, which is fat, is primarily going to be lost because you are doing an activity that's going to retain or potentially even build muscle. So we need to look at it as two separate things. Weight loss is just control your intake, just be active, right? And your weight will come down. Like that's, that's, that's pretty straightforward. If you want to get to that lower weight, having a better physique so that you can go, oh, when I put on my bikini or whatever, I can see that I've got nice shoulders and I've got, I've got cellulite, I've got the nice smooth legs and all that sort of stuff. That's what muscle does. Muscle is sexy, fat is not, right? So if you lose all of the weight, but you lose all your muscle, you'll just be as, well, you know, the, the quote, the, you know, the term, I think it's skinny fat is what a lot of people refer to as. So you just become the smaller version of what you already are. Yes, you're less fat, but you also are much less muscle and you don't really look that way. So if you want to be at that body weight with, you know, the nice peach bum and all that sort of stuff, you've got to lift weights. So it's, we're talking about weight loss versus physique development. 
And obviously with what we do in the program, we want to combine all those elements because, you know, it, it, it'd be really nice if you could lose all of this weight and then actually feel confident to get into a bikini or do something like that that you want to do or get into a dress or whatever and know that you actually look good enough. Um, and a lot of the time when, you know, weight loss has happened to an extreme effect, you've got a lot of muscle waste, wastage, you know, and that can be a problem, but that part's really unsustainable. It's unhealthy. So, and, and you can just eat more. Like, you know, we've talked about this before. A couple of clients in our program won't name their names, but they started at a very similar weight and one of them has had injuries. So she's only going to do like light weights and rehab work, but she's yeah. been really consistent with her nutrition, walked all the time. They've both lost, lost very similar amounts of weight, but the other one's been able to strength train consistently and put on a decent amount of muscle. Mm. Like they've both got down to the same weight but they look a lot different yeah because one's the body, the body composition is different because one just yeah. has more muscle and she can weight. eat more the one that's got more muscle can eat more so it's like who doesn't want to eat more yeah you know obviously obviously like if you're injured you you know like there's going to be times when you can't train or things will come up so you've just got to focus on what you can control but obviously if you can train i think that you should um uh yeah so that probably leads well well into the next um question is so, you know, you talk about this a lot, you know, because I used to go to the gym and people can't see what I'm doing, but like the thing is like lift weights. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't look like I do now because I wasn't, my program, I guess, didn't didn't have progressive overload. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about what that concept is and why it you need that to actually build muscle? Yeah. So, I mean, progressive overload is is, is basically just, over time, you're increasing the stimulus, right? So when you go to the gym and you lift weights, right? It will lift, lift appropriate weights relative to you that are challenging you. What you're doing is essentially breaking down those muscle fibers. You then leave the gym, you go home, you eat the food, you sleep, and your body goes through a recovery process. And then it makes an, ad- an adaption where those muscles grow back stronger and they, they grow back stronger. Therefore, the stimulus is increased or the, the required stimulus is needed to then continue to break that muscle down further. And then you go home, you eat and sleep or whatever. You continue to repeat this process over time so your, your muscles can continue to grow. So that they need continual stimulus, but not just going through and doing a whole bunch of rubbish they need specific stimulus that's going to actually uh, uh, basically get you down to where the high threshold motor units, which are the, the muscle fibers that, are, that have the, the highest um, potential for muscle growth, they're only going to come into play when you're training hard. And this is why a lot of people go, I go to the gym and I do, I do you know, five sets of this and I do five sets of that and whatever. And it's just like, well, it's all just all rubbish. It's all junk because you're lifting a weight that A, isn't that, that you can do lots and lots of sets for, and then you can go and do a whole bunch of other sets on the same body part. You're just, you're, you're not uh, lifting a weight that's uh, relative to your actual capability threshold. And then you're not pushing it to the relative intensity to actually get you into that effective rep range. It's going to create the proper stimulus for growth. So th- there's a couple of things there. So we need to look at progressive overload as something that you're progressing over time. And the two metrics that we ultimately like to look at is the weight on the bar. So, you know, over time you might go, um, well, the two metrics, weight on the bar and the amount of reps that you're getting. So, for example, say in week one, let's just say you were doing a 40 kilo squat. You did 40 kilos for 10 reps. Uh, Then in week two, you come in and you did uh, 40 kilos for 11 reps. You've done progressive overload because you've used the same weight, but you've added a rep. The next week you come in and you do 40 kilos and you get 12 reps. Awesome. Okay. You've progressive overload. You've added another rep. Then say the next week you come in, you add 42 and a half to the bar and you get 13 reps. That's just like, okay, well now you've got double progression. You've added weight, but you've also added another rep. So progressive overload needs to be over time. You're adding more weight to the bar and you're getting the same or more reps. If you can continue to do that across the board, whether it's, you know, squats or deadlifts or lap pull downs or bicep curls, whatever it is, that is the form of progressive overload. Now, the actual stimulus 
is going to come from you taking those sets to muscular failure. So when I say you did 40 kilos for 10 reps, that 10th rep was like, if someone had a gun to your head and was like, do another rep, and there was just no way you're going to do it, you know that you're pretty much at failure and you are recruiting those high threshold motor units. So generally from that perspective, we know from the literature that generally three reps in reserve, you know, so like if 10, the 10th rep was the one that you were going to fail on, we know that, you know, reps, um, you know, seven, eight, nine, and 10 are going to be pretty hard. You're lifting the, the, the bar and the, the bar speed is slowing down. They're requiring a lot of effort for you to get to 10 reps, then those last few reps are going to be the effective reps that are actually going to create that growth. Everything before that is just basically peeling an onion for you to get to that particular point where you're going to create enough stimulus. So we need to be training with a high amount of effort, you know, you know, as close to muscular failure as possible. And then we need to be putting it within a framework of progressive overload, which allows us to add weight and reps over time. And if we continue to do that, our muscle will grow. I remember when I first met you and, you know, like you were sort of teaching me how to lift and you're like, oh, you know, what do you want to look like? Like we were just talking about. And I was like looking at these, I don't know, this, can't remember a bloody name, but she's really quite strong. And then I started to look at all these power, like power, not specifically powerlifters, but other women online that were really strong. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I can see that the stronger ones have more muscle. So I was like, and you're like, yeah, exactly. So, so Kitty, you need to, you know, like you can deadlift 60 kilos now. I want you to double that and mm. be able to do it for reps. You know, I want you to be able to squat 100 kilos for reps. And when I was able to do that, then my physique obviously looked a lot different. Um, and I, you know, well, you know me, like I'm quite simple. <laughs> Craig gets annoyed at me because he, because like, no, you just don't like the detail, doing. You don't like nuances and you don't like, I'm like, well, just tell me the big things that I need to do. And I just put my fucking head down and, you know, like doesn't always work. You know, I always sometimes hit the wall or whatever, but, you know, d- d- it really made sense to me, you know, like you were like, okay, cool. Like you just, and I was like, okay, I just need to eat the food and I need to fuel my body. And I, I, I realized too, that in order to actually perform in the gym and lift those weights, I needed to eat more food. Like I couldn't eat 1200 calories anymore. Mm. Um, but I think I just so enjoyed like being strong and I just didn't care anymore about being skinny. And I just was so focused on performance and I just loved it. And I, and I feel like that's another awesome thing about lifting is it really, you know, cause obviously I still care about what I look like. Like I'd be fucking lying if I said I didn't, cause I do, but I also really care about being able to lift weights in the gym and perform and be able to be able to sleep like more than I value being really small mm-hmm. now. And I think that's another really great thing about lifting and being sh- stronger is that, you know, it sort of pulls your fate focus a little bit more away from how you look to what your body can actually do, yep. um, which is really, I think, exciting. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, they, they go hand in hand, you know, like, first of all, no, no one developed the physique by starving themselves. It just doesn't happen. Like, you know, I think I get that, you know, like the whole success leaves clues thing. And and this is an extreme example, but go and look at any like competitive bodybuilder, you know, go and look at like big Rami, Mr. Olympia. Yeah. And people go, yeah, but he takes drugs. It's like, yeah, but he still needs to eat lots of food and he still needs to train. The drugs aren't going to turn a Volvo into a fucking Ferrari. Like you still need to do the work. Yes. They're going to, help that process but he still needs to eat lots of food in order to build the muscle that's being created from the stimulus that he's done in the gym like the process doesn't change so you know no, no one's going to develop a physique starving themselves and a lot of the time people are like oh i don't want to put on any weight you know like i need to i need to keep myself lean and i'm like well you need to be happy with how your physique is i was like oh but i want my bum to be bigger and i want my shoulders to develop and whatever and i'm like well that requires energy. You don't grow that shit for free. You're going to need to be in a surplus for a little while and be okay with being a little bit fluffier than what you what you are now, right? But if you can maintain that for a while and actually put on the quality tissue, the next time you, you, you then come back down to that, that weight, you're going to look different. But it's a process and you have to go through it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you need to eat the food in order to allow the muscle to grow. And you need to be logbooking. You need to be 
uh, tracking what you're lifting. So you, you actually know if you are progressively over, because no one's memory is that good. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit what anyone says. They're like, oh, I usually do about this. I'm like, just stop. I'm like, if you can't show me on paper or on an app or whatever, what you did last week for this set, how much weight and how many reps you did, I'm like, you've got no idea, right? Like no, no one who's training properly does not do that. You track so that way you can look even after a month, you know, look back at over a month. It's like, oh man, this, I was lifting this weight for this many reps and now I'm lifting this weight for this many reps. And, you know, and I think when you actually go through that process for for a lot of females, I like, they look at it and they're like, oh, wow. Like, you know, I've made some really good progress here. This is all, you know, where am I going to be in six months? You know, where am I going to be in 12 months? And they start, they automatically start using that language as opposed to where am I going to be in three weeks? I'm like, well, probably not a lot different because it's only three fucking weeks. You, we, we, <laughs> you need to look at this physique development takes six months, but if you do it well, you will look significantly different and you'll be, you would have created a certain amount of lifestyle and behaviors around this. That's going to allow you to sustain it. If you go through the process of monitoring the things that are conducive to you getting that result. Um so, you know, that they've got to get hand in hand. You've got to get excited by going, oh my God, I hit a PB. I added five kilos and I got an extra rep. Like, like that's exciting. That's part of the journey and that's what, what it is. But you need to track those things in order to give you the certainty that you are progressing. And if those things are progressing, then you are developing the physique. As you said, Kitty, you were just training a whole bunch of nonsense. Mm-hmm. I'm like going to run and then I'm going to go and do some push-ups, and then I'm going to get on the leg press and then I'm going to get, I'm like, what, like it's, there's no specificity. There's no way of tracking. There's no way of understanding what's doing what it's just like, here, here are the exercises that you're good at. Here are your current starting numbers for what you can do for say 10 reps. All right. If we can add 30 or 40 kilos onto the bar for the same amount of 10 reps, that's a massive progressive overload across all the different body parts. We can almost guarantee that those muscles will have grown as a result of you going through that process. And they will only grow on the flip side if you are actually eating enough to fuel that growth. Mm. So it's exciting because you eat more food, you get really, really strong, which builds confidence and gives you all that that psychological um, advantage. And then you actually end up developing the body you want and you haven't done a whole bunch of random dipship stuff in order to achieve it. Oh, I think I'll go and do uh, a kettlebell class on Saturday and then I'll go straight to my boot camp. That's like, no, that's, that's a very unproductive, a very slow, a very poor, a very inefficient way of achieving a pretty mediocre result at best. <laughs> let's not do that. Let's get specific. Let's measure the things that need to be measured and let's just get really excited about hitting PBs. Mm. I, I still remember those times like when we when we owned the gym and you know yeah um you know, people remember when would... i got the first 100 kilo squat when i was working on site and i've seen the video i was like fuck yeah, yeah. i was like so pumped yeah and that that was it you know but like even like clients you know like i um uh, i remember uh kathy um was out of context for anyone listening to this at kathy yeah. she, she lives lived very close to the gym and she was some, I don't even think she even played sport growing up. She was I remember Kathy, yeah. So lovely, <clears throat> so uncoordinated. Holy crap, was she uncoordinated, you know? And it just we we had to really start with the basics and just understand movement patterns and breathing and bracing and all that sort of stuff. But I remember the first time she deadlifted 60 kilos. Do you know what I mean? And 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 for her, when it comes to any kind of physical activity, she was just like, I'm useless at this there's just no way I'm going to do this, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, we started just with the bar and we, we did RDLs just off the rack. And then we, you know, push it up to like, uh, was it the five kilo plates per side? And then we went to the 10 kilos plates, we went to 30 and then we went up to 40 kilos and whatever. And it was like a progression that when I was looking at it on paper and I'm like, well, you were, I said, maybe if you don't do it, but you're very close to doing it because I've got a piece of paper here that says you did, you know, 55 kilos for 12 reps last week. So adding five kilos for at least one rep is absolutely very durable. I would actually say you're going to get very close to this. And it was just because she believed that she couldn't do it and that the 20 plates now that were on the bar were the big plates, the plates that the big boys use and lift all the big weights. And she wasn't in that category. And I'm like, but I've got data here that you're only five kilos off it. Let's just have a crack. 
and mm. she got set and she did it and she did the first one and she got to the first one and almost looked like her eyes were about to pop out of her head. She couldn't believe I'm doing it. And it was super easy. The bar just flew up and I'm like, go again. She was like, she didn't know whether to laugh or cry. I'm like, just keep going. Just keep going. Stay tight. Keep going. Keep going. And she ended up doing 12 reps. So she did 55 for 12 the previous week. She went up to 60. She did 12 reps again. Mm. So she progressively overloaded by five kilos, but it was just the psychological fact that she'd added the big boy plates onto the bar mm. and she lifted it and she just put it down and she looked at me and she's almost ready to cry. And she's like, I don't, I, I never, ever thought that I would get to this stage. And it was a pretty incredible moment. And I just looked at her and I'm like, well, why the hell not? I didn't lift the weights. I just showed you how to do it. And we progressed it over time. It was absolutely inevitable for you to get to this point at some point. And it was, you know, for her, it was just like, oh my God. And then it was just every week. It was like with all the other exercises, it just gave her that confidence. I'm going to nail this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, her whole language, her whole persona changed purely because she was able to lift 60 kilos on a fucking deadlift. Do you know what I mean? And, and it's just from that perspective, you like, you have to look at weights more so than just go to the weights to lift gym pick things up and put things down no no no. it's it's the the psychological and the, the the physiological changes and the confidence and all these things and doing something you never potentially thought possible and then as a result you end up changing your physique to something you never thought possible either yeah. you have to get excited about you know and 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 setting big goals you know like that was one thing that you always really good kitty you're like oh, i'm going to deadlift 200 kilos one day and it wasn't that anyone was going to deter you from the ability to be able to do that. Like it took you a while, obviously, but you like anything like a bull at a gate. It's just like, once I set my mind, I know I'm just going to do it. Mm. You know what I mean? And it was the same for you. Like I remember when you squatted that hundred kilos and you did it, like it was just like, well, if I can do that, I can do this. Well, it's just a mindset thing. I think I kept, took me so long to break through a hundred because I was just scared. Yeah. Until you're like, fuck, it's heavy. It's hundred kilo. Now I can, you know, like I'm obviously not as strong as I was when I was powerlifting. I was training, more focused on my training. And yeah, for sure. now I'm just sort of, I'm still committed to training, but not committed. Like I used to just train and, you know, yeah. just enjoy my training and do my three days a week. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's just a cycle of the once you do it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Just, that's that's you, how you become obsessed with it because. And you, you, you know, like women, like will probably what see me or see other women in our program, and it's like oh, I can never do that. But you don't know what you're capable of. Like, and everyone starts where you did. So I think that's another misconception. Women like I don't want to lift heavy weights. I'm like, well, it's all it's relative, yep. and we don't start you on 100 kilos. You start where you're at. Yep. And you progress it from there. So you might start with just doing a kettlebell hinge instead of a deadlift. Deadlift. Yep. So you can nail the movement pattern. Then you'll go to the bar and you'll do 30 kilos. Yep. And every week you'll add a little bit more. So gradually over time, you just build up and you gradually build up. So yeah. it's meeting you where, you where you're at and finding the exercise you can do and you can progress and you, that you enjoy and then getting good at those. And obviously we'll also talk about the exercise selection and execution shortly. But, yeah, it's, it's just honestly the most empowering thing. And that's why we're so addicted. I feel like I'm addicted to strength training. I mean, I have an addicted personality, but better that than drugs. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> but you are as well you love it too i, I absolutely yeah, love you it. love it we both love it yeah. that's why i love you one of the reasons why i love you yeah well i mean i i was 65 kilos when i graduated grade 12 you know i, w I was the skinny basketball player i was a pretty good basketball player like had some rep sides and stuff but you know my biggest thing man I, I would just get bumped by the bigger guys you know and it just i got to the point where i was just so sick of doing all the stuff skill work or you know and and things shit but i just i couldn't i couldn't be the physical guy because i was just outmatched you know and then i i sort of stopped playing basketball and i went and did kung fu and that was an even more over exaggerated part like i'm like oh, i'll try to take down this big guy it's just like are you kidding me bang like it was just you know and i was I, he kind of made pretty sense to me i'm like maybe there's something to to getting strong and lifting some weights that might actually help me with all the things and and it was i, I actually started lifting weights while i was still doing kung fu with the intention of i'm just going to lift weights to get strong so i can be better at my kung fu and then it just be like i don't really want to do kung fu anymore i'm just really into this lifting mm. weights thing because it was just it was more exciting for me there was more progression there and mm. it was you know so yeah mm. cool mm. All right, next question. Um, so 
then I think that's when you talk about a few things here. And this is just my observation. So obviously I don't, I'm not a coach in our business. I don't do coaching, <laughs> but you know, there's women that come into our program like me who were small, you know, and restricted to stay small and maintain a certain weight. And I was at the start, but I quickly got over that. Cause I was like, fuck yeah, I love lifting. I want to be strong, but like I didn't want to eat over a certain amount of calories. And I was scared of gaining weight, even though it was like the body composition that really matters. So can you talk about why, like, you know, it's important. Well, you need to eat in a small calorie surplus <laughs> to actually gain muscle. But then obviously like there's like women, this is the second part to too. Like I notice there's women in our program who actually lose weight, the big women who have lots of body fat to lose and who are new lifters and novice lifters, they actually are able to gain some muscle and lose body fat at the same time while eating a deficit. So can you talk about, I guess, those two things? Mm. So I, I think, you know, fundamentally we, we need to always remember that um, energy balance or the energy balance equation of calories in calories out is still the biggest driver in terms of what we want to happen with our body, right? If we want our weight to come down, we need to be in an energy deficit. If we want our weight to go up. We need to be in a caloric surplus and or energy surplus. And if we want to, you know, stay at energy balance, we just need to be um, eating a relative amount of food relative to our output. So our body weight stays the same. I think where it kind of goes wrong for a lot of people is they believe that, that in order for them to lose weight, they need to be on super low calories, the 1200, the 1300, even the 1500, something like that. They're like, Oh my cow, I'm going to need to eat really, really low to, to, to be able to see some weight loss. And in the reality is that's usually not, unless you're like a super tiny person who has, you know, low, just total body mass, that it's just the, the calories that people can lose weight on is actually a lot higher than what people realize. And they, they're only saying those things because they've done fad diets that they've put them on these extreme weight loss things. And, and they're like, well, I, I lost weight on those. And it's just like, yeah, but it was done in such an extreme way. I mean, you didn't need to pay for that. Any monkey could tell you to just cut out carbs or whatever and, and eat a really miserable diet that's just really low calorie of course you're going to lose weight but the reality is you don't need to go to that extreme you know the thing is it's like when you know what your maintenance calories are you only need to be 10 to 15 percent below that in order to you know actually start to see the weight coming down and then it's going to be dictated by your activity levels like i mentioned before if you're somebody who's working in a warehouse you're on your feet all day um like uh, Emma, who you interviewed today, she's a hairdresser. She's on her feet, she's cutting hair, she's moving around all day. She's a lot more active. If you're somebody who sits at a desk all day and just has low activity overall, then obviously you're going to need to eat a little bit lower. But again, it's it's depending where your starting body weight is, what your activity levels are, and then you you just need to set the diet up based off that. But it's just it. it for most people coming to our program, we, we use the first two weeks just to establish where that maintenance is because not a single person who's ever come into our program goes, here's my maintenance calories. It's, you know, uh, 1,956 calories, X amount of program. Blah, blah, blah. No one ever does that. And, that. and that's the belief because no one's ever taken the time to actually work out what their maintenance calories is because it requires you to be strict at a calorie range and, ma and macros for a two-week period and then assess changes in body weight. That's, that's how we do it. If you don't know where your maintenance is, then you have no idea how much of a deficit you need to be in to, to lose weight. And that's why people just go all the way to extreme. Well, I know if I, if I have 1,200 calories, I'll lose weight. It's like, yeah, or a surplus to build muscle. Hey. Yeah, or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. That, I, that I needed X, X amount in order to do that. And the reality is you just don't. You know, Again, it's the same on the other end. You only need to be about 10 to 15% above your maintenance in a surplus in order to build the calories. And then you let uh, the, the, the changes in body weight over the next couple of weeks kind of dictate any changes. If it's going up too rapidly, you pull it back a little bit, mm. you know, if it's not really going up at all, well, cool. That just means your maintenance range is a little bit higher. So you just need to eat a little bit more food in order to make that happen. Gee, what a shame that would be. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. just, it's, it's a process of just working that out. But once you actually have that information, it then becomes very, very easy to understand what it is you need to do. But to, to answer your other question, 
when people are very new to lifting, they're, they're, they're novice lifted, their bodies uh, a blank canvas, so to speak, um, their ability to grow muscle and, and basically where they go through a recomp where they're, they're actually building muscle and, and, and losing fat concurrently. Um, we, we see that a lot with, with people that are first starting out because it's, it's, it's such a novel stimulus to their body that they only need to do a small amount of work and they will just put on muscle, right? As you become more advanced, you know, like for you and I, I wish that would be the case, but we've got to do all the things right to eke out every little gram of muscle now that we're, you know. But I think like you say, Craig, probably like for most women, if they got to the point, like say if they got to where I am in terms of strength, they're probably going to be happy. Like it's easy to like sustain where you're at once you, that's the thing. Once you build the base to sustain, it is pretty fucking easy. Like I only train three days a week and they're short sessions. I train hard though. Like I train at high effort, but it's pretty easy to maintain the muscle mass. Yep. Yeah. It's very easy. And I mean, there's plenty of literature on that now, you know, like what, what it requires to build it is a bit more, but then to maintain that you can, you can get away with, about a third of the amount of total volume in terms it's of it's an effort. Yeah. In order for you to maintain what you've got, like it's really easy, you know? So I think from that perspective, if you can build your ideal physique only training three days a week, you know, and that's sustainable within your life and all that sort of thing, then the reality is that's all you're ever going to need to do to, to maintain it. And the reality is you could probably do a little bit less, um, it's just, you know, obviously we do on, on the flip side of that, we do get clients who come out and they're like, okay, you know, I'm here, but you know, like I, I'd like my shoulders to be bare and I'd like to be, have my back a bit more and bigger bum and whatever. So it's just like, you know, once you get to a certain intermediate, so you go through that novice stage, you get to intermediate. It's like, okay, the program needs to get a little bit more specific. And then as you go through that, you know, you need to start potentially specializing, doing body parts. And that's where the creation more days, of more, more, days. Yeah, of more yeah. specificity around your training programming, you know, comes to point, but you know, again, it's, that's for people that are, that are, are super, super serious. All of our best transformations have never had to do any of that. Yeah. So isn't it funny? Like you and me always talk about this shit. Cause it, no, I shouldn't say shit, but like, I'm always like to Craig, I really like training, but I just don't like to train five days a week. And I don't even really like to train four days a week. Sometimes I try to train four days a week, don't I? And then I always end up just going back to three days. It's funny. And and Craig's like, yeah, look, you're fine. You can just, you know, like keep doing what you're doing. It's only if you really wanted to like, because he's like, you've, your physique is like, it's a bit, there's areas that are a bit lacking and areas that are overdeveloped. <laughs> Yeah, well, from like all those that. days when you were powerlifting and, yeah. and, you know, you were doing so many deadlifts and rack deadlifts yeah. and bent over rows, like you got really thick traps and upper back, but you've got no lats because you, you, you didn't. You the thing didn't is, I'm just like, I just don't give a fuck. I'm like, but I'm saying from, from that perspective, yeah. if you wanted to do that, then that's something that you get to add yeah. in. Yeah. And if you're doing three days and three days, three days training now where the volume of those sessions is already enough, like you, you, no point just trying to, throw in some more stuff mm. just to make it mm. three days because I'm like that the effort that you'll be able to put in for those will just be so minimal because you're pretty exhausted now because those three, three days that you're doing like they're hard and they're pretty full. So it would make sense to then go, well, we need to add in a fourth day and we need to do this. And then over time you would assess it and go, do we need to do more work? Do we need to make some changes to the exercise selection? You know, this is where the whole nuance around training programming kind of comes about, but you know, again, you're, you're assessing it at such a deep level that by that stage, you have a certain level of advancement. And a good base. That, that yeah, that yeah. requires having those discussions. For most people, it's just like, you don't ever need to do that. You look at the movement patterns, squat pattern, hinge pattern, push, pull, you know, add in some biceps and maybe some, <laughs> some you know, single leg stuff, you know, if, 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 if you can you're pretty much going to cover all of the bases there. And if you just train that stuff really hard and be good enough with your diet. And then you can just, if you that's really all that needs to happen, relatively happy, you can just be like me and train three days a week, train hard and just be like, yay, just be happy. And, um, but obviously you can obviously train more like Craig is really into it and loves it. And, you know, your program's a lot different to mine and you're much more specific and you have specific phases and goals and that's also okay too and like we've got women in our program as well that are like that and I think it just depends on what you want 
you know, but you can get great results training three days a week and then even four days a week. I mean, Craig only trades four days a week. Um, and I think I just want to finish off on this. Well, this is to say, it depends on what you, what, what you want, but yeah. does what you want also align with what you're capable of being able to do? Me too. Basis? You know, I'm sure there's a lot of women who'd like to train a little bit more, but they're like, little Johnny wakes me up, you know, every second yeah. because whatever and it's like well you probably just don't have the capacity to do that because you're a bit sleep deprived and you're a bit stressed yeah. you know like it's it's got to be relative to your life yeah i think i just want to finish off with on that bit is you know for the women out there who were like me who were small so i was like 62 kilos and restricted to maintain that didn't yeah. know how to lift probably wasn't strong um to get over that fear of eating more and and getting moving away from that what like focused so much on the scales I think I finally was free that when I just really was I guess so passionate about the performance and I could see the improvement when I ate more food and I could see that my body was changing I was putting on muscles like I don't give a fuck about the scales anymore because it doesn't matter because it's the body composition and also just feeling so much better and eating be able to eat more and eat more foods that I liked I finally you know like I've had there have been times when I've been leaner when I've dieted down but I just naturally like to just eat more food and be hold a bit higher body fat it's just because i just like food you know and i don't want to do heaps and heaps of training so it's like you know for me it was so freeing to be not that i'm saying there's anything wrong with training more and if you want to be leaner you can totally be leaner but you know if you're really worried about that weight on the scales like you think about your performance in the gym think about the muscle like look at the body composition not the, the scales and i think on the opposite end like just talking to emma today you know, she was like, oh, I can just eat way more food than I was ever eating on any of those other diets. And we talked about that. And of course, she actually is eating in a calorie deficit, eating 2,150 calories, but it just seems like so much more because she would always restrict so much and eat 1,200 calories, cut sugar. And then she'd have these epic binges. She'd eat like thousands and thousands of calories. So it's, you know, for the bigger women who who do that, it's like, trust the process and eat more consistently on a day-to-day basis. Yes. And that'll stop you from binge eating so that you can actually lose weight and feel like you're eating more food. Yep. So, you know, it's, yeah, I think there's those two ends of the scale. So we're actually going to wrap up part one here because Craig has to uh, get on a call. So we did cover a fair few things there. So we covered, you know, health benefits of muscle, why it's beneficial for fat loss or weight loss, progressive overload, training effort, calorie surplus we talked about. And so we'll be back in episode two, in part two, I should say, next week. And we'll cover off the rest of the topic. So why carbs are important, why carbs are important, exercise selection and execution. Um, we're going to talk about sleep, training with your cycle, and then a bit about um, phases. So, you know, as always, ladies, if you love this episode um, and you found it beneficial, please, you know, give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or the ones that you can actually give a rating on. Um, you know, share it in your stories, you know, get the word out, um, you know, if you feel passionate about it like us to help, you know, free other women from just crazy ass diets and flogging themselves um, with cardio. So the more you rate it, the more you share it, obviously the more it exposure it gets for us and the more people can listen to the podcast. So I hope you enjoyed that um, and we will see you next week for episode or part two.